It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Man, I'm so, I'm so hyped right now. Anything's possible. Oh, my mama. Oh, my mama made it, man. Anything's possible. Yeah. Rainy days. Jump shot, fade away. This the best Celtics podcast day to day. I get excited about it like when Tatum play a Jalen on the breakaway, a Kyrie when he make a trade, and nothing like the terrible analysts on the TV. So in depth that after you play it, you gotta repeat. So in depth they might do an hour about the D League. So in depth you probably should pay him, but it's a freebie. Yeah, Corrales, Packard, and J King locked on trying to get the 18th ring. And well wishes go to Gordon. Listen after every game is very important, Millie. everyone and welcome back to the Locked On Celtics Podcast with the Rain and Jays. Today it's me, your boy Jay King from MassLive.com here with special guest, very special guest, Chris Forsberg of ESPN, the the current <laughs> enemy of Isaiah Thomas. We'll, we'll get to that soon. Um, we're we're going to take a few questions here. We got some, some reader questions about the upcoming draft. We're both draft experts, Ooh, of course. Jesus. We've got uh, some questions about <laughs> Forsberg's go-to Chipotle order. About oh, I like that. About some house. some bench units and uh, whether Marcus Morris should stay in the starting lineup. But we'll get to those as Ooh. well as a few other questions. First, we got to talk about Isaiah Thomas hating Chris Forsberg. <laughs> so, a, a little, a little, a little background on this story. Uh, Chris wrote a story the other day, which was actually the funny part of this is that the story was actually really complimentary of Isaiah Thomas. And it was writing, you wrote about how Kyrie Irving has been unbelievable in the fourth quarter. And so was Isaiah Thomas. And I think in the piece you actually wrote, like Isaiah was probably even better because he did it all year and he did it, um, without much help and this and that. But the headline on ESPN <laughs> said Isaiah who, and Isaiah <laughs> Thomas got forwarded that. And I I think in his tweet, did did you take his tweet as a direct shot at you, or did you take that as more of a yeah. shot at ESPN? I I don't know. I I think it can be generalized, but you know, I guess that's the one hope I have is that in, in all of this, like I can take. <laughs> <laughs> all the fans being mad at me, and, and I get it. People hate ESPN, and this is just another like easy target to to, to hate us even more. But like, I don't want Isaiah to to feel like that. And I guess that's the hard part for me is like, I just he was so good to us as a player in, in giving his time. I have never and I, listen. I, this isn't like revisionist history. I'm on record as saying that was my favorite season to cover in large part because of not only what Isaiah did, but the access he gave us, the, you know, the way he was like open on any topic. I wrote more of my favorite stories last year than I wrote at any other point in my career. And, you know, I didn't have that attachment with the big three. I came in late on that. I didn't, you know, you don't always get to know guys good, but I felt like I really had like, I felt like I could go to Isaiah with anything more so than any other player and, and really tell good stories. And so that's the hard part for me is that, you know, there's just no way to be like, hey, man, at one, wasn't me, two, it, you know, I, I understand, like, 
maybe what they were trying to do with that headline and maybe be a little funny or be a little flip about it. It just didn't land. And for that, I feel bad. And, you know, I just don't want, he finds motivation in everything. I must've wrote 20 stories about that. It just kind of sucks that when you're on the, <laughs> when you're on the uh, other side of the, of the motivation, when you're the one giving him motivation and he does find motivation, in everything. <laughs> I can remember last year, someone brought up like, I think he brought it up himself, a Bleacher Report top 10 list. It, was, it wasn't it was even by <laughs> a writer I don't think that I'd even heard of. And somehow Isaiah had gotten wind of this list, and he was either lower on the list than he thought he should be or not on the list at all, and he was pissed. So, yeah, the Isaiah Who headline was <laughs> was not not what he wanted to see. I, I'm excited to see and, the, and, and, the little guy come back. I'm excited to see him yeah, come back. And, and, like, listen, I listen to this because people have certainly been asking and, and, like, you know, how does that happen? And, you know, I, listen, people want to think I'm just making a cop out. That's fine. But I think if you can ask anyone in the journalism business. Now, it's a little different when we had the blog and we were writing 50 stories a day. Like, yeah, a lot of those headlines were mine. And most of them we could tell because they were stupid dad joke headlines and bad puns. <laughs> um but, you know, the, the way it works now is I send a story and, and it gets a headline somewhere down there in the, in the magical copy editing world. And again, I don't I don't begrudge the, the editor. I think I don't think anyone down there was like intentionally thought like, haha, this will really stick a tie there or, or this. You know, it was just more like to them, it was probably, you know, funny. And, uh, you know, you, you see that sort of headline all the time. Right. Like, you know, Tyree, who LeBron is having a big seat. <laughs> And it just for for someone like Isaiah, man, it, it that stuff really resonates. And you know, as soon as he got angry about it, now listen, story was up for like twelve hours before Isaiah sounded off on it. And then all of a sudden, I didn't hear a thing about it all day. And then everyone kind of came piling on. And uh, it's been <laughs> I, I won't say funny, but it, it almost it, it I, every time I check my my Twitter, the last four days, five days, whatever it's been. Someone has told me to go, you know, f myself, and you know, your, you know, your family, do this, do that. I mean, like, <laughs> people, people are really mad about this, and hey, part of it I get it, and part of it is, uh, I wish people would have just read the story because, just like you said, like, sort of the overlying theme to me was Kyrie's been great, and if he keeps this up all year, yeah, it's just as special. It's ridiculous that the Celtics have had two guys to perform this well in the fourth quarter. But Isaiah was still on a whole nother level considering the output, considering that he had no one else to help him at times. Uh, you know, whatever. The, the, the bigger thing is I, I agree. I can't wait to see him back on the court. and uh, I can't wait to see if he gives me more grief uh, whenever that Celtics-Cavaliers uh, game rolls around. I need to see the Forsberg-Isaiah interaction. So, <laughs> so it looks, it's looking now like he'll be healthy for the January 3rd matchup, Celtics and Cavs. I'm so excited for that one. We got the the Kyrie Isaiah thing, the Kyrie LeBron thing, the Celtics who are suddenly the top team in the league versus the Cavs who are playing great basketball lately. I'm so in on that game. I, I hope Isaiah comes back and is healthy. And like I want to see him versus Kyrie, and they're both full strength. I want to see it. I need it. I need it because Kyrie yeah. Kyrie has been special in the fourth quarter, like really special. And I. We were talking about this. How much credit do you think goes to Brad Stevens for putting those guys in such great situations during the fourth quarter? Yeah, and I mean, like, there's, there's, there's certainly, like, if you take a step back, you got to start thinking about that, right? It's, it, it's two of the most special fourth quarter seasons in, in recent memory. And, well, what's the one sort of 
similarity. Well, Brad was directing the, the way things went at the end. Now, it takes an awful lot from the actual player. Uh, but I do think, you know, the, the, that was sort of the, the nexus of the idea was we were down in Atlanta and talking to Kyrie, and he was sort of saying, like, you know, Brad's my driver's ed teacher in the passenger seat, and, <laughs> you know, the fourth quarter's my time, and we're bouncing ideas off each other. And, uh, you know, I, it, it, Kyrie is, is, is pretty fun to watch there late in games. And I think that's why it was almost jarring on Monday night to see him sort of bottled up a little bit against, against the Pistons. It's like we haven't seen that, in, at least to that degree, uh, where he couldn't really kind of take over the game and had those sloppy turnovers even earlier. Uh, I mean, like those games against Atlanta, man, he was like really special at the end there. And, uh, uh, but yeah, I do think a lot of the credit goes to Brad. He's like, full streak, new support, whether it was with Kyrie, whether it was with all guys up and down the roster. He's, we, we kind of always go back to it, right? Like the thing about Brad is he gets, the most out of every guy because he knows what they're really good at. Well, I think Brad knows Kyrie's really good in that situation. Sometimes it's, it's just easy to go, you know, let's just go two man game with Al and, and see what happens. Yeah. And, and I mean, I don't mean to take anything away from Kyrie or Isaiah. They're both ridiculous. They're two of the best scorers in the league, two of the best playmakers in the league. They, they make really good decisions. They don't turn the ball over a lot. Although obviously Kyrie had some bad decisions that he regretted. Monday night against the Pistons. Speaking of the Pistons, Pistons are a lot better than I thought they would be, man. Like Andre Drummond, I wasn't prepared for Andre Drummond to be like shushing the crowd and like <laughs> prancing around the basket stanchion and really kicking the crap out of Al Horford. Obviously, Horford, Horford gives him some some troubles too, but that was the best Drummond game by far I've ever seen, offensively, defensively. I think the Pistons might be legit. Like they might be, they might yeah. be an actual good team. Are the new Wizards like that? That <laughs> team that's going to be in the kind of that top four that has enough talent to kind of like be scrappy. That you know maybe maybe with all this shushing and with Kyrie sitting there the other night going, man, I can't wait to play them again. You know, is there is there something there, especially if like Wall is hurt for for a little bit? He, I I don't I don't think so. I think it's still like the, the Wizards rivalry is going to somehow find a way to live on, but. Um, it is cool to see like a team like the Pistons back in the mix a little bit and some new blood. And, you know, they're obviously well coached with Van Gundy and having Avery. That could be a fun little rivalry. And again, they play them again pretty quickly here. Like we're back there in like, you know, a week or two. So uh, it, it, this, this could be kind of fun. It, it, it's definitely interesting to see this, this different drum and like oozing confidence when he makes free throws. The shushing thing was the best. Like that was awesome. <laughs> like, went out of his way to tell the crowd to shut up. And he's got to be the most confident 60% free throw shooter in NBA history. <laughs> and, and it actually makes sense because he was like 35%. And and to him, he probably feels like like he's the greatest shooter in the history of the league because he used to miss almost every free throw, and now he makes like 6 out of 10. So, and, then on the, and then on the opposite side, you got Marcus Smart pulling up from 32 feet because he's, he's feeling it, so... You've got two of the most irrationally confident <laughs> players on the court last night, and that makes it even more fun. Yeah, I was high on that. And yeah, Ky- Kyrie seemed like he was pissed in, in a Kyrie way. Kyrie gets pissed very differently than Isaiah and Jay <laughs> used to get. Like Those guys would just come out and be very open. They, they, would, they would just shit on whoever they were pissed about. Um, <laughs> and whereas Kyrie... He kind of just like slipped it in there, like, yeah, I really can't wait to see those guys again. And I didn't like the way they reacted to winning that basketball game. 
So yeah. even Al fun, said something like that. I love it. I love it because like we haven't had that yet. We haven't had a team. I, I'll, I, and not even like, like we looked at Cavaliers because of all the situation that was going on. It was like, yeah, this is the first time we've had like a little, little Eastern Conference rivalry. It's like, again, that's why it reminds me of the Wizards because that one came out of nowhere too. And it's it, this could be fun. Like I kind of hope Drummond is skipping around and going crazy in Detroit and, and keep and keeps fueling this thing. That that would be that would be good for the for the for the Eastern Conference. I'm in. I'm totally totally sold. All right, let's All let, let's get to some of these <laughs> let's get to some of these questions. But before we do that, a word from our sponsors, Greats.com. Greats is Brooklyn's first sneaker company. They offer men's and women's styles. They sell. The greats, the classic styles made the best for less. They actually sent me a pair of their Royal Blancos, which are some elite shoes for the first time ever. I looked halfway decent at a Celtics game. Sam, Sam, Jam, Packard, the great, actually told me that he thought it was the best that I ever looked. So thank you, greats.com, for convincing Sam that I wasn't the biggest slob of all time. I am normally one of the greatest slobs of all time, but greats.com made me look like slightly better than that. Best sellers on greats.com include the all-leather Royal Lace-Up and Worcester Slip-On. They're the perfect gift for the holidays, and you can save 15% on your first purchase with the code Locked On. Again, you can save 15% on your first purchase at greats.com with the code locked on. I'm telling you, these are great shoes. They're comfortable shoes. They're classy shoes. They're good-looking shoes. And you can get them by going to greats.com. So go do that. Password locked on. And buy your, buy your mom, or dad, brothers, sisters, cousins, anybody. Somebody great for the holidays. Um, all right. First question. It's... Uh, 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 okay. It's this is a question about Marcus Saul. It's from Aaron Dennison. It's a two-part question. What is the likelihood Boston acquires another player, and could that player be Marcus Saul? Uh, are you are you with me, Forsberg? That Gasol is a very unlikely possibility. At, like, yeah. So to, uh, just to put just it contract-wise, I think I I just don't see a, a trade that that makes sense in terms of lining up bodies. Now I think we know better than everyone. Where were we on the road? Remember that one day where we were just talking to Brad, and he was just like, "Yeah, he loves all of Marcus." All gushing, he loves Marcus. All and like, I feel bad to even bring this up because it's like people are gonna gonna latch on to that one part and say like, "Oh, Brad loves him." They're gonna find a way to get him. I I don't see any way they make that work with with the contracts they have, with the guys they have, uh, with whatever they could possibly offer the Grizzlies. I I think it's extremely unlikely. Uh, but you kind of understand it. Like, this is what happens. Any time a, a, a top-level guy kind of starts shaking free, the Celtics have picks, but ironically, one of which is going to be probably a pretty good Grizzlies pick. And, uh, you know, people are going to try to connect the dots. But, yeah, I put, that, I put that low on the probability scale. Yeah, because of salaries, you'd almost have to trade Horford. And Horford, at this stage, I would rather have Horford. Like, I, I might have said differently last year. I might have said differently two years ago. But Horford, to me, is just playing better basketball than Gasol. And he's three years younger. So I I would rather have Horford. Gasol doesn't make a lot of sense. And and when we – like, 
Stevens did gush about Marcus All, but I want to point out that there are a lot of other guys in the league that he he would gush about. It was just we, course, we ended up talking about Marcus All, so I, I don't want to have it be like like Marcus All is Brad Stevens' favorite player, although he might be. I I don't really exactly. know. But and, and there was some connection to like Gasol had a big game or something, and or done like we were talking about a crazy outlet pass he had or something. He was just very highly complimentary of, in the same way that he's highly complimentary of of you know every every player in the league because let's face it at some point he's going to have coached every single guy in the league yeah yeah (laughs) he almost has already right (laughs) so much turnover right i mean it's getting close so much turnover all right for the win wants to know he he wants us to be draft experts which we are not draft experts yet yeah i I, we we will know a lot about the prospects by the end of the year but at this stage not yet if the Celtics get the Lakers pick, who do you think is the best fit for them to draft? I'll let you go first, Forsberg. Yeah, totally that that big guy with uh, with all the length and uh, <laughs> the versatility. <laughs> the guy, the guy who can switch everything and then blocks everything. Yeah, that dude, he, he's the one. <laughs> I have no idea. I, I don't. I, I literally, I can't get hyped up about guys this time of year and like. I mean, if I was trying to sound smart, I'd say Bagley. Well, maybe he'll slide because of the injury and blah, blah, blah. No, I, I have that, no clue. That's Porter who has the injury. Uh, what's he? I don't even know who's injured. Like, <laughs> okay, I mean, so Michael uh, Michael Porter is the one with the injury. Marvin Bagley is the Duke player who has just been kicking the crap out of everybody. I think the good and, news for the Celtics if they do get a top five pick is that there are tons of long, athletic big men and if you look at their roster, the one thing that they really need, especially once Gordon Hayward comes back to provide them with wing scoring and more wing versatility, is a long athletic big man. Mohamed Bamba is a stud, stud defender. Marvin Bagley, I think, is the best offensive, like, interior big man. Michael Porter Jr., even though the back issue is obviously a, a red flag, he's the most skilled, most polished of those guys, I would say. So... Any of those guys would be fantastic. I'm sure there are other. Luka Doncic is a stud. He doesn't actually fit Ooh. into what the Celtics are doing. But who the hell cares? He's fucking yeah, nasty. Right? Yeah. So, like if the Celtics just rolled out a, a, a five six a lineup of five six seven dudes, like it would work. Brad would find a way for it to be okay. Or like Kyrie and, and four six seven guys. You know that would, it, it would be fine. They'll, yeah. they'll figure that out. And Doncic is a six seven point guard. So. Perfect. Yeah, he's he would just yeah, he'd fit uh, right dress, in. dress them all. I don't know if he can guard a soul, but he, he would fit right in. Yeah, he and he's he, that kid's unbelievable. So yeah, if, anywhere in the top five, Celtics would get a good player, good fit. We're not draft experts, but we can pretend to be for a little while, even though Force 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 got the injured guy wrong. I mean, like, listen, at least my intentions were well. (laughs) All right. NFL teams making bold final moves before the start of the season. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. The Tennessee Titans have announced a one-year deal with linebacker Jadavion Clowney, reportedly worth $15 million. Tyler Rowland of Locked On Titans tells you if it's going to be enough to get Tennessee back to the AFC title game. In other moves around the league, the Miami Dolphins named Ryan Fitzpatrick starting quarterback, which means Tua will be back up for the time being. And the Detroit Lions have agreed to a one-year deal with running back Adrian Peterson. Peterson was released by the Washington football team last Friday. For more NFL news and analysis, subscribe to the new Peacock and Williamson NFL show and listen to a brand new lineup on Locked on NFL. 
They'll have division previews every day this week. Local experts on the biggest stories. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You're up to date on your favorite team, but what about the competition? Hollinger and Nate Duncan are evaluating every bubble contender on Hollinger and Duncan. Rejecting the screen goes behind the scenes with in-depth interviews and the Locked On NBA podcast is recapping games daily. Let the Locked On NBA network of podcasts take care of your NBA bubble scouting reports. Hollinger and Duncan, rejecting the screen, the Locked On NBA podcast. Subscribe to the best trio of NBA podcasts on the planet wherever you get your podcasts. Greg Payne, <laughs> Greg Payne, your former colleague at ESPN. Shout out to Greg, <laughs> shout out to Greg Payne, who's nursing a, a hip surgery right now. Um, but he, yeah, wa- he wants to know what your go-to Chipotle order is. <laughs> he knows what my go-to Chipotle order is. Uh, it's pretty boring. Uh, I go with uh, the rice bowl. With uh, I, I, I have not gravitated to the brown rice. I'm not that healthy, uh, but uh, I do go white rice. Uh, I actually go both beans to uh, maximize the amount of food I get. I ask for extra rice and, and both beans because it, 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 it adds to the, the amount of product I receive for my money. Uh, I go Typically, I go chicken. Sometimes I mix it up. Uh, I throw pretty much every salsa that is on there, uh, the corn especially. Uh, but I don't do uh, sour cream. I don't do cheese. I try to keep it a little healthy. And uh, if I do guac, it's on the side for the chips. It's not, uh, it's not on the bowl. They, so are you a bigger Chipotle fan than Danny Ainge? Um, it's pretty close, I would say. Like, <laughs> it's, it's been funny the number of times I've bumped into Danny on the road at a Chipotle. <laughs> like, I just it, – it, and it's always fun to watch him use his little special Chipotle card because – you know, the, the people at the register at first are very skeptical, and then someone realizes it's like a celebrity, and then there's always like a photo shoot, and then you, you know, it, it, it's it's a fun experience to see it see it play out. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'll put it, I try to mix it up. I think you know, like if we're on the road and, and we're all going out, I'm I'm not going to be the guy who says like, hey guys, we got to go to Chipotle. But if yeah, if if um if it's after shoot around and I'm just looking for a quick meal. I probably know where the nearest Chipotle is in every city. And, you know, I was reading a story, uh, I think it was, um, was Mike D'Antoni in Starbucks and there was everyone on the road. And like, yeah, yeah, like I I thought that was perfect. Like, I feel like Ainge probably does that with Chipotle, no matter where he is. And he's got a tough too, because he's got to go. It's not like just like 29 other cities he's going to with all the scouting and the little tiny college towns he goes to. Uh, he's, he's got to, he's got to have a much bigger roadmap of, of, uh, road chipotles than, than i do but yeah i I've, I've got a pretty good grasp on where they are uh, now, i now i also want to throw out though I, i'm not like solely chipotle i actually where i live in central massachusetts there's, there's really no chipotle near me and so i'm more of a moe's guy Ooh, welcome to moe's welcome to moe's yeah I'm like moe's is my jam and like you know it, like if i had to pick just because of my attachment more like i'm more likely to go to moe's when i'm home uh, but but listen, I mean, if, if any of them want to send me a, a free Chipotle or Moe's card, I'm gonna I'm, I'll switch my allegiance in a heartbeat. I once saw Juwan, who? I once saw Juwan Johnson in a Moe's. 
which was was pretty well, cool. I mean, not exactly a ringing endorsement. But. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's funny that you said you've run into Ainge at Chipotle's. I used to live around the corner from a Chipotle in Waltham, and I probably went there like five times. I'm not as big a Chipotle guy as you guys are, and I saw him there two out of the five times. <laughs> Uh, I've, I've actually gotten, I, I, in, in a way, I'm always like, Larry, like, is this, is, should I be reporting this? But like, there was one time where he was legitimately going down the Chipotle line and all the dudes behind the counter were like, Danny, you got to trade Rondo. If you know, <laughs> Sacramento's offering Rudy Gay, you got to make that deal. And Danny's like, all right, all right. He's like, you know, at least taking their advice. Uh, it's funny how comfortable the workers at Chipotle are throwing out <laughs> trade ideas to, to Danny Ainge. So my man, my man, Addy <laughs> Shepard is coming after ESPN's neck. He wants to know who, yes, who wrote the headline. <laughs> I, 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 listen, honestly, I don't know. And um, No, we're not going to make you a snitch. I, like I have an idea. We're not going to make you no, a no, snitch. No, I, you I, are I, not a snitch. And I, and I wouldn't snitch if I, if I definitively <laughs> knew. Um, I have an idea. I mean, I, I think, listen, I've got an idea about the, how the process works. And, but, you know, a lot of people touch those stories. I'm, put it this way. This is why I feel like when, when Isaiah went at whether it was my neck or ESPN's neck or whatever, like I felt responsibility because, hey, at the end of the day, my name's on that story. And if, if, if it bothered me enough, I should have made a bigger stink about it and, and had a change and, and, and all that. So it's on me at the end of the day. And so I'll, I'll take that blame. And, and that happens. And again, like it, the, 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 the hard part of it is if it, it was any other player, if it was Juwan Johnson and I wrote Juwan who, I probably wouldn't feel bad, but it's Isaiah. And so that, that kind of sucks. <laughs> the, the, that was just unlucky for you because first of all, you didn't write the headline. <laughs> Second of all, the screenshot of the headline, which I believe was from ESPN's front page, <laughs> Yeah, they they don't always have the name and the headshot in there, but <laughs> but the screenshot with the headline had your name and headshot, so Isaiah knew exactly who had written the article, and and that's why I kind of felt I wasn't sure whether his tweet was directed at you or just to anyone who was on board with that he- I, I would, headline. I would hope I put it this way: I would hope that if it was at me, that I would have heard some other way than Twitter. Like I, I would have probably gotten a message from somebody, not necessarily him that would have been like, you know, what the hell? And I did not And I, so I'm, I'm kind of hoping it doesn't all fall on me, but again, I, I have no way of knowing. And I try every which way to, to try and relay my, my sympathy. Yeah. The, the tough part about that was he, he received the headline at like, what was it? 8 PM, 9 PM. So it was outside of hating hours. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't i'm saving that for for a potential future tweet all right you know, my, my, <laughs> all right yeah, so the, the, i if i if i had been smart my my reply should have been isaiah you know better than anybody else it's outside of hating hours please, <laughs> please leave me alone <laughs> all right addy shepherd also wants to know what is the craziest stat this season you are keeping track of but have not yet revealed ah man i've i've, I've pretty much used them all up this week uh I, the one I, that i kind of was sitting on for a while was the tice undershirt <laughs> which i was desperate for something because without kelly you know there's no one like switching hairstyles yeah. the brad tie thing is like the numbers are still crazy but there's no it, i i did that all last year so people are probably tired of that even though i think he's still like you know 12 and 2 in a tie this year or something like that and i'll keep the, i'll keep digging that up when it's when it's appropriate uh one of my favorite was that i don't think i ever used was 
the Celtics were like seven and zero when Al Horford lost the jump ball for a while, and so uh, that one got busted. I think in the Miami game. Uh, so you know, there's there's all these little ones, and none of them make any sense. But I I don't know. I find them fun and endearing. And like, listen, there's there's all there's only so much you can write about over the course of an 82 game season. So those keep me amused, and I like seeing the patterns and you know the trying to when I do ask to ask Brad, like if he thinks there's well, like, why does he choose a tie over not choosing a tie? And uh, that, that to me is fun. But uh, the Marcus Smart one today, it, I know people probably it, it's correlation, but come on. The fact that he's 11 and 0 when he shoots less than 30% is like crazy to me. And uh, I, I know it's probably just freak, but those, those things, uh, those things just, it, it fascinates me to try to figure out why that is. Yeah. That, that one's a weird one. Definitely just a fluke, but a weird one. Um, you're going to have to start keeping track of the post-Al Horford motivational talk smart numbers because <laughs> yeah. Al, Al is like – the player aside. Al is the greatest motivational talker of all time if, if this even comes close to persisting. I mean, Marcus didn't hit it. <laughs> he didn't hit a jump shot for like two months. And all of a sudden, he, he can't miss. He's, he's throwing bank jobs through the rim. He's hitting like – 32 footers with 22 seconds left on the shot clock. The the Marcus Smart experience is is really one of a kind. That dude, that dude just just makes you scream and and makes you makes you laugh and everything in between. <laughs> it, it, it may, and that's what I and that was sort of the overlying theme of that article is that it's just nothing about Marcus Smart makes sense, and yet you can't take him off the floor. Like even when he was terrible shooting, it's like he, he just impacts so much. And it's so fascinating to watch. And I mean, if you, if you were just, if you showed someone a highlight film of Marcus Smart, missing out like all those shots at the start of the season and said, okay, what's the team's offensive rating when he's on the floor? No one would guess that it's like 110 or 107 or whatever <laughs> crazy number it is. It's like, how is that possible? Uh, it, 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 it's so it's, it's fun that, a player like that can have an impact and a reminder that let's not get too hung up on, on the basic stats is as important as they tend to be at times. All right. So this is the last question. We got one more question. It's a real basketball question. Um, knowing how much Stevens tests lineups to start the season, how much longer will he try this lineup with Marcus Morris starting all the data points to starting anyone else. <laughs> and it really does. And, and, and so I, I'm with you. Like, I, I don't know. I just, there's something about, and maybe it's just the knee soreness or like the last couple of games, just it, Marcus Morris isn't passing the eye test. And, you know, maybe we're being unfairly critical because he's not at a hundred percent, but you know, it, it just doesn't feel like when he's on the floor, that unit is clicking and the numbers bear that out. Um, I don't know what the solution is though, because you know, in my mind, I say Brad would be more likely to go back to the Baines lineup because that did work, but there's going to be so many times where they can't have Baines as the five because of the opposition. You know, I think he's hesitant to move Marcus into that lineup uh, because they, I mean, we've seen it for two seasons now. He wants him in the bench role. Uh, I don't know if there's a, a solution there. And I, you know, people will start saying, well, what if, what if, what if you put Rozier in there and then he can keep Marcus coming off the bench or, you know, there, there's short, cert, certainly no shortage of options because of their versatility. Um, I do think that they're going to make every effort 
to make this work with Morris. And it just comes down to, you know, that that's our question for Brad tomorrow probably is, is, you know, is, is it not working because Morris is still shaking rust, finding his way? Is he healthy? Or is it just there's something that's just not clicking at times with, with that lineup? Yeah, what's interesting to me is that with, with the Marcus Morris lineup, the Celtics kind of revert to some of their bad habits from last year. Right now, their their rebound rate with that starting lineup is 41.9%. Oh. The defensive oh. Re- rebound rate is 70.9%, which is just – that's those are two abominable numbers. And and because I partially because of that, they're getting the crack crap kicked out of them on the boards. Their defensive rating is yeah. atrocious, and so theoretically, like that lineup should be able to guard people. It has a lot of size on the wing. They should be able to get rebounds. They should be able to stay intact. They should be able to close out the shooters. They should be a very good defensive lineup, but their rebounding is just has just been minuscule. And so that's what I want to see to see whether they can change that. And maybe maybe part of it is that Morris just isn't right yet. Maybe it's because, you know, he missed almost all of preseason. And he missed almost all of training camp. They haven't really practiced at all. So this is all like he's he's doing this on the fly. Um, but I, I don't know how much you keep going with it when literally every other lineup they have in their top, like, so 22 lineups – or 20 or so lineups is outscoring opponents by most mostly considerable margins and then their starting lineup is minus 15.5 net rating wow and it goes back to it, it's like i think you had the tweet the other day where smart is in what like the top six best lineups and top, like eight of the top 10 and yeah like it's, it's an absurd number and so you know Every inclination is to say, well, why don't they lean on that? But, you know, it, in my mind, the way Brad has talked up until this point has always said, you know, we're a better team with Marcus Morris. Uh, it's clear they want him. They went to that lineup really quick after he came back. I mean, the second half of that OKC game, they went to it. Um, and I think he, he knows that the way, the best way to match up with most of the league, especially the very good teams, is to, is to go with that lineup. So, uh, I think he'll give it some leeway here and, and try to see it work. I thought the more interesting thing, like he went with Kyrie more to start the second quarter, start the fourth quarter. Yeah. You know, I think he's still figuring that out too. Um, you know, again, like we know how Brad works, right? He 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 tinkers a bit and and tries to to, to mix different things in this time of year. I mean, he'll be doing it straight through, you know, the All Star break. But um, yeah, it's, it's it's a weird situation here where. When you're winning 16 games, it's not a big deal. But now you you, you you drop two out of three or two out of four, whatever it is here, and you know all of a sudden we're we're kind of already talking about the lineup, which you know probably isn't fair, but uh, you know it's obvious and the numbers bear that out. And th- those are the two questions I think. Like, should Marcus Morris keep starting, and how do you get bench units to score? And the the Kyrie thing, I I, I want to see him tr- Brad try that more often. I'm not sure. If it will work, I'm not sure if it'll always be as good as the 10-2 run Kyrie went on with Ojale, Smart, Rozier, and Tice against the Pistons. But theoretically, like everyone plays defense. Kyrie does playmaking. Smart can playmake a little bit. So can Rozier. Tice rolls to the hoop. I, I like that lineup. I, I, I think yeah, that's and that, intriguing. That Irving-Tice combo was like, whoa. All of a sudden, it, it, it – uh, who was it that that Rondo had that 
freakish chemistry with Zeller, right? Like, yeah. you know, all of a sudden, Rondo and Zeller were taking over the world on pick and rolls, and it's like, wait, the Celtics haven't run a decent pick and roll in years. Like, <laughs> why is it all of a sudden with these two? Uh, I, you know, maybe the, it, that's that goes back to like why he's he's got to try these things because you find things that work, and uh, if, if especially if Kyrie can help kind of pump up Tice and and get him confident and. You know, he clearly helped this team, and there's there's definitely some positives there. I guess the one thing I wonder, too, is, like, if you move Marcus Morris to a bench role, does that help? Like, is he the kind of guy that you can get that second unit spark from? Is he able to – you know, and I don't know if that – I don't know the answer to that yet. And so uh, I'm I'm interested to see how, how Brad plays it moving forward. Yes, for sure. All right, we'll, we'll let you go. Before we do, everybody go follow Chris on Twitter, at ESPN no, no, Forsberg. Everyone, everyone go re-follow because they all unfollowed when Isaiah Hu <laughs> happened. Everyone, everyone go back and follow again. Now that you know the truth behind the Isaiah Hu story, you can feel comfortable following at ESPN Forsberg. Read his stuff as, at, as always at ESPN. He does great work. Fantastic work. I always enjoy his stuff. One of the best on the beat, for sure. One of the best around the NBA. Chris Forsberg, great, great wow. guy. Wow, what a what a what a pump up. Listen, I know you're trying to just like defray the the hate I've gotten this week, and I'm very appreciative. But uh, that that was much over the top. That was that was not over the top. That was deserved praise. <laughs> <laughs> All right, <laughs> thanks for coming on, my man. We'll let you go. Everybody else. If you don't subscribe already, subscribe to the Locked On Celtics podcast. We are by far the best Celtics podcast, as well as the only Monday through Friday Celtics podcast. We bust our ass. What's the number two podcast? There is no number two podcast. There is is number one, and then there are peons. (laughs) There There are little toilets that we piss on from our perch at the top. So, wow. Yeah. Um, so that's just how it goes. Anyway, that's it for this episode <laughs> of the Locked On Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Jay King who? <laughs> yeah. Jay King and John Corrales. Locked On Celtics. Millie. Hi guys, this is Josh Lloyd, host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. The NBA is back, so that means that fantasy basketball is back in one form or another. We've got daily fantasy, but there's also some fantasy leagues with the resumption of play with these eight regular season games in Orlando, and Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to have you covered. It's not just for fantasy basketball, though, because we recap all of the games across the NBA, so if you're looking for a broad overview of the action across the league every day, Locked On Fantasy Basketball is the podcast for you.